the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Planted with Sarah Pion podcast. I am Sarah Pion, your host, and today we have a very special guest. I have the pleasure of having the Honorable Congresswoman Barbara Lee on our show today. Congresswoman Lee, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, glad to be with you. I I voted for you. <laughs> Oh, my God, you're thank you, thank you. It's working. Thank you very much. It is. You definitely speak for me. And I'm really excited today to talk to you about all the great things that are happening in our country around cannabis and what it's going to do to help the ongoing problems that we've been having through the years. So I, um, I was looking this morning, too, on the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act. And for people who out there who are listening, this was, I'm um, actually looking at the July 21st post about it. Um, and Congresswoman Lee is also on the federal cannabis or the Congressional Cannabis Caucus, I should say. So, yeah, I co-chair it. <laughs> yeah, you're the co-chair. And that's also a very exciting reason to have you on the podcast. So so tell me, when you were looking at when the, the caucus was actually being conceived, what were you thinking were some of the most important things that we needed to address in our country? Well, I thought one of the most important things was to... Uh, first of all, uh, deschedule cannabis and to expunge the records of those who have been convicted from these very unjust laws and provide for um, restorative justice funds, tax credits, tax relief for these individuals and to begin to help uh, people of color primarily, who Black people especially, who have been incarcerated or have these convictions on their records to begin to really help them um, move forward and, and put together their lives in a way that we help them repair the damage. And so that was my focus and it's still my focus. And I introduced the very first Marijuana Justice Act on the issue of um, racial equity and racial justice. And I've introduced three bills on um, social equity, you know, in the cannabis business and the cannabis space in terms of the industry and um, I'm going to keep fighting until we uh, deschedule marijuana from the Control Substances Act. That's such a good thing to hear. I was, I'm actually, I have a seat on the San Francisco Cannabis Oversight Committee. And just this week, we were talking about over $4 million in grants that are going to equity operators and making recommendations on the best way to disperse it. Because the one thing that we really look at is there are lots of people out there doing business while other people are languishing in jail for doing the exact same thing just at a different time. And really like, how do we best serve these equity operators in ways that, because we've seen through the years, there have been people who have actually preyed on equity operators and said, oh, well, if, you know, I can use your, your, your equity in, I'll, you know, give you this much of the portion of the business and eventually people get eased out. And so what we're really looking to do is make sure that we protect these people and they can create generational wealth and we can undo a lot of the things that have been done to them through the years. No, and that's extremely important. But you know what? This is like every other industry in America. I mean, the systemic racism is it, manifested in many ways. And so now we've got knowing what we've learned from other businesses and industries, how 
for the most part, a lot of us have been ripped off to learn those lessons and make sure in the cannabis space that uh, people can't, companies, investors can't do that. And that's by making sure that the policies and the regulations are there to keep them from doing it. Because once they do it, and once they uh, try to take ownership or once they really deceive uh, the cannabis owners, then it's so hard to file a lawsuit because that takes a lot of money, a lot of time. And then ultimately um, the person of color and the stakeholders uh, end up going out of business. So we have to do this on the front end. Yeah. And we have to make sure that they comply with whatever regulatory requirements and space that we're in and, and also the policies that are established. So I'm glad you're on the board and you know, look at that and how people know up front that there's some carrots and sticks and we're going to use the sticks if in fact, uh, you know, you violate whatever standards you come up with in terms of criteria. Yeah, yeah, it's so important that we we establish a really solid framework. And when I was looking at the Cannabis Administration Opportunity Act, there's a lot of great stuff going on with this. One of my concerns, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this, when we look at like the regulation and taxation of cannabis, as we've seen in California, we're having a hard time right now. We're dealing with mass extinction events. And as though taxation is incredibly important, especially because it's going to support a lot of these great programs that will create greater equity in the cannabis space, I think that there's also a call to be cognizant of the fact of if we overtax, we actually feed an illicit market, which impacts a lot of the communities that we're actually trying to help. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think we should overtax, but I also think that it's what we do with the taxes uh, on the retail sales of cannabis and that we should have, I think, in, when, in the MORE Act, we have uh, an opportunity trust fund to start at 5% and increase to 8% over three years. But So I think we have to look at what fair taxation means, but also know that the purpose and goals of taxation in the cannabis space is a good thing. Yeah. in terms of making sure that uh, restorative justice and, and that the taxes are used to really make sure that people have the entrepreneurial opportunities to grow their businesses, but also the jobs that are created and that they're good paying jobs. So yeah, uh, not over taxation, but making sure that it's the businesses are, the space is, is uh, fairly taxed and that the tax dollars are going into an opportunity, a trust fund. Yeah, I think one of the things that will help make it easier, actually two of the things, are one, your push for safe banking, which is not only essential for the businesses, but also for public safety, because we don't want people knowing that anyone going into dispensary is probably carrying cash and is a mark. But also the fact that you're pushing for changes with the 280E for cannabis businesses. Because a lot of people, most people who aren't in the cannabis space don't understand that cannabis businesses can't make the same deductions that other businesses can. And that's an extreme hardship because you end up paying like almost over twice the amount of taxes as a normal business. Yeah, that's right. And that was passed on the past, I think in 82, as part of the war on drugs, the Reagan administration. So it's like, come on, please. This is 2022. Uh, and we've got to recognize that these are legitimate business operations and they deserve to be uh, eligible for all of the business benefits that businesses have because they're organized as a business. 
So they should be able to deduct on their tax returns the expenses that they've incurred in operating their businesses, which is unlike any other business. And so that's the mindset that we have to get to. And we have to uh, somehow get rid of Section 280 and uh, stop it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because these businesses end up you know, paying a higher amount of federal and state income taxes on their business operation. And so that's just not fair. It's wrong. It's not fair. What are some things that you're excited about with your work with the Cannabis Caucus? And what are you, if you can talk about it, what are some things that you'd like to push towards the future? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm excited that we've kept this bipartisan. Of course, Congressman David Joyce is a Republican and we're able to do some stuff. I'm on the Appropriations Committee with him. And we got included this year, again, you know, amendments to the bill, uh, the appropriations bill, to, you know, just say it's, it's not, it's illegal to come into states that have passed recreational and medicinal marijuana and, and arrest people and charge them with crime. And so I'm excited because it's still bipartisan, regardless of how the Republicans are acting as MAGA Republicans. There are a few that still keep this bipartisan. Also, I'm excited about the president, (laughs) if you can believe that, because I have been working on this issue for years and years. And I was on the platform committee of the Democratic Party platform, and we tried to get in descheduling, and we almost got there. Uh, There were 15 of us, and I was helpful and key in writing certain provisions on the Hyde Amendment on cannabis, you name it, on war, the forever wars, forever wars. And so I really had a hand in our platform. And so for the president, we wrote him in December and told him he should come up with uh, an announcement. And of course, we wanted descheduling and we wanted the, the expungement of all records. But he came close and actually, um, you know, he indicated that he's asking now the Department of Health and Human Services, Secretary Becerra, to look at what what descheduling means, the impact, and to expedite that. So I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to get there and, and the full expungement. I mean, he did um, do some record uh, pieces in terms of getting rid of the records, uh, but not expunging the records. And so now so many people who had these uh, misdemeanor charges on their records, those are going to be written off and they now will be eligible for, say, SNAP benefits or Pell Grants or Section 8 housing or whatever that the barriers were when they had that on their record. So I'm excited about where the White House is going with us. It's it's a partnership, but we have to move quickly (coughs) and swiftly. And I think that uh, President Biden is doing it. Yeah. When that came out, it was interesting to see people's responses because some people were very excited. Other people were like, well, you know, mostly things are happening in the States, but that's that's incorrect because they're not understanding like how many people have actually gotten nabbed for personal possession on federal land. That doesn't mean that you're walking up and down, you know, the streets of D.C. with a joint in your hand. It means you could have been in a public park. You could be in Section 8 housing. And I think that in some ways for people to poo-poo it was actually a very classist response. Yes, well, it was for those who are excited about descheduling and want it to happen now, I can understand that, but I'm one of those who really want it to happen now. But I do know some have to evolve on this issue, but I think the public is weighing in now and the states have weighed in so that um, 
you know, we'll finally get uh, to where we need to be. So I'll take the progress. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I want it, but I want it to go faster. And I'm asking everyone to help me because we need to have more members of Congress weighing in. Now, when we look at the public, because I know like when I used to work in a dispensary and especially around the time that legalization hit, we had a lot of people who were upset about prices, taxation, um, packaging that is everyone proof, uh, but it is a necessity because we really do need to keep kids safe. And they used to get upset at the companies and get upset at the dispensaries. And that's when I used to give them my what I call my Stoner Civics 101 lesson, which is also when a legalization passed, you're not automatically going to get it. We need to build the foundation for the program to begin with. But letting people know if you're unhappy with the way you're seeing things handled with pricing and different things like that, it's time for people to come out of the cannabis closet and let people know, let your policymakers know that you pay taxes, you contribute to society, use cannabis, and you vote. But Congresswoman, what are some other pieces of advice that you would give to the public if they want to have their voices heard and be able to um, influence policy? Well, first is vote. Secondly, is show up at, at the commission meetings and, and the equity offices and whatever locally there, uh, whatever's available locally and, and insist that policymakers do the right thing. Have, have your organized. I mean, this is an organizing effort too. People who uh, care about this issue shouldn't just wait for others to take it over. They should really organize and go to these meetings and send emails, texts, and mount a public education campaign so that policymakers hear them loud and clear and have no option. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think a lot of times, and maybe it's because we need to, when I went to school, we taught civics. <laughs> we were told to get involved. But I think we need to have greater conversations. I'm very excited about younger generations and how active they seem to be around things that mean a lot to them. But I'm really Well, you know, I think, hmm. well, let me, let me just tell you, sir, yeah. on a lot of polling that I've seen show that young people their number one issue on the ballot is, is cannabis and, and what we're going to do about descheduling. So I'm hoping that young people see what's happening on the federal level and turn out to vote yeah. because their votes count, count and, it, and they're making a difference. Yeah, we we need them to show up. Not Cannabis is, is, is one small part of the issue in this country that we're dealing with. And if we, if we don't get to some of the bigger issues like voting rights and freedom for women and their bodies where cannabis is going to be the least of our worries, right? Yeah, well, it's a fundamental issue of democracy that's on the ballot. I mean, it's, and that affects every every single aspect of our lives. Yeah. What do you think from the federal level are going to be the next steps as we start to to move towards legalization and, and hopefully descheduling? It's getting these bills off of the floor of the Senate to the president's desk. The Safe Banking Act, for example, we've passed that twice in the House. Now it's being negotiated in the Senate. Uh, we need to get it to the president's desk, but that means the public has to weigh in with their member of the Senate to get it done. So I think that's next, the Safe Banking Act. And then hopefully the MORE Act or the Cannabis Administration Opportunity Act, the Senator Wyden, Schumer, Booker, you know, myself on the MORE Act with Jerry Nadler, We've got to get these passed into the to the president for a signature, mm -hmm. and that means we have to have political action. 
Do you think that the president is going to be more open to a broader expungement plan as well? I think so. I can't guarantee it, but I think so in the direction he's going. And I've talked to him several times about this. I'm so, glad. you know, all I, all I can say is I think so. I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm I'm also optimistic when you talk about the fact that there are there's still a lot of bipartisan movement because we need to we need to be working across the aisle. I had um, Michael Steele on earlier this year, and we were talking, and he he kind of chuckled and said that there were more Republicans that actually enjoy cannabis than would care to admit. <laughs> and I'm hoping that that oh, gets yeah. them to you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, that's true, and and I don't smoke and I don't drink, <laughs> and I, <laughs> you know, so there are more of them <laughs> than myself, even. Well, Whatever that, is, is that's what Michael was saying also that that he doesn't partake, but he understands the value and the impact that it's had on people that he loves in his life, and and I think yeah, that look, that's good. Yeah, and on medicinal, I mean, come on, my my late mother. She, I always say the stories of her, she needed a knee replacement. She had one when she was 86, it was fine. When she turned 89 or 90, doctor said her left knee was bothering her and really painful. Doctor said, oh, I'm not sure about surgery at this point because she has COPD. So she had a walker and she went out to East Oakland, to East Mount Mall, and was getting her walker repaired. And she was complaining about her knee. And another African-American woman said, honey, why don't you try some of this? My mother went home. Uh, it was cannabis lotion. And she would, I would call her and I'd say, mother, how's your knee today? She said, it's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and then she said, and you better get your colleague to stand up for cannabis reform. She said, because this is outrageous. She said, my knee is drunk every day. My knee is drunk. It was really helpful to her in terms of pain management for her knee. That's and, uh, wonderful. So I, <laughs> so I do this in her memory also because I loved her dearly. And, and I know what she went through, but I know when she got that cannabis lotion, you know, she, it, it really helped reduce her pain level. It does. And that's that's my um, my mother-in-law is 84 and she I she has neuropathy and over the pandemic. She's had to use a walker and I ended up getting her some infused Epsom salts for a foot soak. And she's never yeah. been about cannabis. Now she doesn't even need to use her walker. And she actually brought the bag to her doctor and said, this is what you need to be telling people to use. <laughs> yeah, when you get senior citizens at that age onto something, they're going to be the lobbyists and the people who are going to insist that reform take place. Yeah, and <laughs> we got to listen to our elders. Oh, I I know you're you're busy, so I'm going to let you go. But Congresswoman Lee, I just want to thank you so much, and I really hope we can continue the conversation and know that that I'm here rooting for you and anything I can do to help to make this happen. You've got me. Well, thank you so much. You're doing a lot <laughs> to make it happen. So keep stay, stay the course, okay? And really appreciate talking. Thank you so much. And thank you so much okay. for your leadership and support during this pandemic. It was such a soothing thing to hear your calm voice of reason during all of this. Oh, thank you. It's not over yet. So I say be careful. Absolutely. Be careful. So take care of yourself. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And for all of you listening out there, remember, 
we really need to take ownership of this. We need to get active. We need to let our representatives know, our senators, our Congress people, we need to let them know what we want to see in policy to create a better, more equitable world. And everyone remember, Planted is twice a month. And if you like listening, please give us a review, share it with a friend, let us know what your favorite episodes are. And if you'd like to stay in touch over social media, we are Planted with Sarah Pion on Facebook and Planted with Sarah on Instagram and Twitter. You can also go to our website, www.plantedwithsarah.com or listen to us on our parent network, Radio Misfits Network, where there are other great podcasts like one of my favorites, the Winemakers Podcast. So check it out. You can listen to Planted wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, whether that's Pandora, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, Stitcher, tune in. We are there. So join us. And until next time, stay curious, stay safe. And remember, it's a wild world out there. Be good to one another. Until next time, take care. <laughs>